welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck and his throat's been Whatever it is that gives the dead the appearance of life. Oh, it is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic, as you say. I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back! Get me back, Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to a very special Thanksgiving episode of the Retro Blood. I am, of course, James Klein. We have J.A. Allison, and we thank you for celebrating Thanksgiving with us here on the Retro Blood, because what a carbon turkey massacre story that we have. We have, and we are talking all about Blood Rage. A.K.A. Complex, A.K.A. Slasher, A.K.A. Nightmare at the Shadow Woods. Couple uh, different titles, if I don't say so myself. Yeah, it had like uh, at least three that I found. I think you found a fourth one. So yes, I I found I. This movie is low key one of my favorite movies of all time. I love I everything about this movie. The corniness, the random Thanksgiving theme about it the story the effects our boy uh terry everything it's great and this is going to be a jam-packed episode so we we thank you guys for joining us on thanksgiving um you know after you're done stuffing your face with all that turkey all that uh mashed potatoes all that Mm. cranberry sauce if you get what i mean Oh, yeah. Don't forget the macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah. The macaroni and cheese. We got that, too. But we have a lot to talk. We have a lot to talk about on this episode of Retro Blood. A ton. Especially on the wrestling side. So, but before we get to that, let's break right in to the music of what was happening around the release date of Blood Rage around this time. Of course, when this movie got released, it wasn't called Blood Rage. It was called Nightmare at the Shadow Woods. But... We're going to be referring to it as Blood Rage because that's how I feel this movie in my heart is called Blood Rage. But this movie was released on March 29th, 1987. So we're continuing our trend of 1987 horror films. And boy, this this is like my era right here. Like 1987, like so far we have like every review we've done in 1990, uh, 1987 has been awesome so far. Yeah, I would agree with that. 1987 was is definitely your era. Um, the movies became a little less. I mean, in my opinion, they became a little bit more cheesy and a little bit less like, I don't know, artistic. Maybe it's not the word I'm looking for. It's not the right word, but that's the word I'm going to use. But they were they, things were definitely changing. Of course, there's some secrets to this movie that we'll get into when we get into the actual part of it that we can talk about. Yes. You but know, first, I'm, heavy metal. Heavy metal in 1987. Heavy March. metal, man. So the biggest thing I found during this time was a band that you're very familiar with, 
me not so much but i know you are is anthrax they oh were, hell yeah they released their among the living album on march 22nd 1987 so about seven days before this movie dropped in theaters we'd be rocking out to anthrax and i was actually listening to this um album um you know today uh and I was like, man, these guys are pretty good. Like they're pretty, they're pretty uh, heavy. Like they're pretty. They kind of remind me like they have a little bit of a punk style with them, with a lot of thrash, kind of like a mixture. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Anthrax definitely was. I mean, they're from New York, where most of the other thrash bands were from California, or I guess a lot of them were anyway. And they they kind of came out of like the hardcore scene, so they had this like punk, like hardcore kind of undercurrent to what they were doing. Anthrax was just fan. Fantastic. And especially this album. I mean, this album, it, I mean, it's not my favorite of their albums now, but this is like the album that you would play for somebody if you wanted them to hear what Anthrax sounds like, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that first, the first five, I guess there's 10 songs on it. Well, anyway, the mm-hmm. first half, the first side is just banger after banger after banger. And then the second side, there's not really any hits on the second side, but it, the songs on it are just as good. Yeah, because when I was listening to it, um, of course, the main song, Among the Living, was probably my favorite that I listened to on a bit. And then um, uh, I Am Law, or I Am The Law, was a really good yep. s- song, too. Caught in, caught in a Mosh. I'm caught in a Mosh. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I'm, yeah, and, um, but, uh, but yeah, they, uh, a lot of their themes are, they have, like, social themes, but they're also, like, horror movie comic book type themes too. Like I'm the laws about judge dread and, um, and, um, uh, among the living is, is, uh, based on the stand Stephen King's the stand. Oh, okay. Nice. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely say this is like a definitely a rocking album. Like if we were in the trans am, and uh, uh, Johnny Boy over here was like, "Hey, got this, got this new Anthrax album. We definitely pop in the track on there. Definitely pop in the cassettes and yep. listen to that on the way to uh, see uh, Blood Rage if it were playing at a theater near us. <laughs> I pretty it had to be in a couple of theaters. Had to be in a couple of theaters. So, because like, when, well, we'll get into the, some of the 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 history, a little bit of the history segment on." This movie because it does have a very fascinating history um but before that on the uh, on our facebook group page i did post a video like a sneak peek video of anthrax playing the among the living song live and i thought it was a really cool video like really cool like a lot of energy you know got the hair the thrash going on so definitely everybody check that out on our facebook uh, page uh, retro blood uh don't forget you know subscribe to it uh, you can post any of your comments on there. I'll be like I said, we do extras from the show over there. So check it all out for just a little bit more extras on the show. But check out that video; it's definitely pretty rocking. But, but do you think our boy? Uh, do you think our boy Terry uh, is a very big Anthrax fan? Um, I think it might be likely. Yes, I think it might be likely. Because you know, I can see him chopping up some people. You know, listening to some Anthrax. You know what I mean? Getting into the spirit. But um. <laughs> So check this one out. So the wrestling section of this is huge. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk about what actually happened on this date. But I, since it is Thanksgiving, John, in the world of 80s pro wrestling, Thanksgiving has a lot of history to it. 
you know, obviously with uh, Jim Crockett Promotions doing Starcade. Um, Starcade. Starcade, yep. buddy. Every Thanksgiving for a long time until they moved until December. But this particular Starcade is very, very interesting. And I'll go into that in a second before I talk about what actually happened on this movie release date. I couldn't believe it when I found it. I could not believe it. <laughs> so this movie came out March 29th, 1987. Do you know what happened on March 29th, 1987 in the world of wrestling? No, I am intrigued. Tell me what happened, James. <laughs> Fucking WrestleMania 3 at the Pontiac Silverdome. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. 83,000. Jam-packed to the rafters, brother. Wow. That actually happened on the same exact day that Blood uh, that blood Rage got re-fucking released. <laughs> Just imagine that. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to WrestleMania, got all the energy. What are we doing next? We're going to see this movie called... Blood well, it Rage. It wasn't called Blood Rage. It was called Nightmare at the Shadowwood, but it's Blood Rage. <laughs> We're going to see that shit. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're telling me this ex- a historic wrestling event happened on the same time as this fucking movie came out. I was like, couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe it too because... The last review we did um, last Sunday, uh, Prince of Darkness, we talked mm-hmm. about another Pontiac Silverdome. That was just a house show, but this one's like the mega daddy. This is like one of the most famous WrestleManias of all time. Yep. And we've already kind of talked about it before on our first review a little bit about WrestleMania 3, about, you know, the Randy Savage versus Steamboat match, the Hulk Hogan uh, versus Andre match. So I didn't want to get too much into it, but I thought, thought that was very interesting that that event actually happened on this day of course our boy alice cooper was at that wrestlemania too so a lot of tie-in when it comes to uh this this podcast and then these movies and stuff so i thought that was very interesting yeah i mean that is pretty interesting and that's probably the wrestlemania maybe or maybe it's the wrestlemania where uh now he probably would have already i was gonna say maybe it's wrestlemania where um john carpenter met alice cooper because remember we talked about that last true yeah it could have been um, you know, unless, unless it was maybe one before then that they were just visiting together, but it could have been. So, yeah, it's very interesting how this all ties together. But um, the thing I really want to get into is since it is Thanksgiving, uh, like I said, the biggest things in wrestling during this time was um, Thanksgiving had the Starcades event. But this particular Starcade is very interesting because this was the era that it was Starcade. Coming to the Chi-Town in Chicago. But mm-hmm. for the first time, it had competition. Because this was the first time that WWF ran the very first Survivor Series against Starcade. Yeah, quote-unquote competition. But I'm sure we'll get into that story. Yes. So, <laughs> so the biggest thing about the story is <laughs> during this time... Apparently, Vince McMahon called up all the pay-per-view uh, providers and said, Listen, motherfuckers, if you guys fucking air this arcade, you ain't getting WrestleMania. And a lot of them backed out, but a lot of them didn't. So, Well, I heard that only five of them didn't back out. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's like, why the buy rate was so low. Yes. So he fucking... This is, this is the era where the, the feud was hot. It was hot. It was hotter than our fucking... Uh, our boy Terry chopping off some arms. That's how hot it was. Okay. It was it was intense. But let's break down some of this card. Um, let's see. Let's do the um let's do the Survivor Series one first. Because this was the first yeah. ever Survivor Series. And of course, Survivor Series is still going on to this day as well. 
um, because Survivor Series, of course, was this last Sunday um, for this uh, 2021. Um, yeah, because it's not on Thanksgiving anymore. Yeah, it's not on Thanksgiving anymore. They actually don't run any kind of wrestling shows on Thanksgiving anymore. That tradition is pretty much gone. But I always thought that was a cool tradition. I mean, now, most of the time, I'm pretty sure it was like that back in the day. Mostly we just have football games coming on right now. But, you know, back in the day, we had like a jam-packed wrestling nights, And it was a very hot wrestling night as well, too. Like, they used to sell out that Greensboro Coliseum like all the time. Back oh, in yeah. the day. Yeah, that was a hot ticket then, like, going, like, because, I mean, from, from hearing stories, like, I always thought it was weird that they would have a wrestling show on Thanksgiving, you know, because people w- wouldn't be able to really travel for it. Um, but maybe, the, maybe the people probably didn't travel as much then. But, you know, you wouldn't really be able to travel for it because you'd spend, you know, the day with your family and Thanksgiving. But hearing it explained, basically, they ran that show that night because, people would go eat with their family during the day. And then by the nighttime, they weren't really doing much of anything. They were just kind of sitting around. So they would give them something to do and everything was closed then. Like you didn't have the, back then you didn't have like Walmart open 24 hours a day, you know, retail people opening on Thanksgiving night and shit like that, which hopefully is gone forever now, but you know, bring Thanksgiving back, I say, but anyway, they, um, but, you know, you, you couldn't go shopping after, you know, you could just sit around. So it was and, and football was over by then. So basically you would have, you know, a, a completely open night and people would come out and uh, and watch uh, the uh, the wrestling. Yeah, that's a lot better than uh, trying to, like, push down some fat dude at Walmart trying to get some TV. Exactly. Some two dollar TV that's worth a dollar fifty or whatever. Yep. But uh, Survivor Series, 1987. So this is the first ever Survivor Series. It was in the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. Yep. And the card is, let's see. Oh, 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 where is it? Hold on. Is this one of the ones that you watched while you were going back? Okay, cool. Yeah, it's one of the ones I watched. And now, when I say watched, I didn't watch every episode of every match, but yeah. um, I did forward through a lot of them. Um, you know, like through some of the matches, but this was this this was a pretty packed card. Yeah. So this was all just Survivor Series elimination match. They don't like yeah, nowadays. They'll they have. have like maybe two, and then a couple regular matches. But the, back in the day. It was just all elimination matches, so we'll go to the first ones. The first one, we have our boy, Brutus Beefcake, uh, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, Randy Savage, and Ricky Steamboat. What a team. Yeah, I mean, you got all those guys on one team. That's just one team. Yeah, that's just one team. You know, so, like, it's already the greatest. If, if you're a WWF fan in 1987, this is already the greatest thing you've ever seen. Yes, pretty much, because it's... Because, you know, back back in this day, they didn't have, like three hours of raw they didn't have two hours of smackdown they didn't have all this crap they just had like maybe one hour of superstars where you would see these guys just beat up some local jobber you know so this right here was like this is like if you're like like john was saying this if you're a fan this is like whoa shit all these people together at one ring what the hell and they defeated the team of danny davids harley race my boy hercules ron bass has returned to retro blood and the honky talk man, 
Yes. So the second half of that second half of that match is not quite as stellar as the first half, but but still, you're still you know you're going to get a good match. We got Harley Race in there, King Harley. You got Harley Race, who I don't know. They must have paid Harley a little bit more to be on that team, I guess. But but that match went 24 minutes. Wow. So there's only four matches on this card. Yeah. And it's probably nearly three hours long. The show. Yeah, man. So that that match went 24 minutes. Where we had to get fucking. Wow, that's like a that's like a very you know if you really look at that 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 first team is like intense compared to like yeah. the second team. Wow, I mean you know you guys you got a couple good wrestlers up in there, um, you know Ron Bass ain't too bad, Harley Race up in there, but yeah that's something. Uh, the second match we got over here is <laughs> the Rockin' Robin, the Fabulous Mula, and the the Jumping Bomb Angels. Yep. Which was Yamazaki and Tateno. Yes, which is Japan, actually one of, one of the... They were obviously the workhorses back in the day. Because yes. they were just all over the place. They were like kind of very... Res, um, they are like before their time when it comes to women's wrestling. And we also had Velvet McIntyre. They they defeated wait, Don Marie. What the hell? ECW Don Marie? What the... Surely, nah, surely not. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know who that is, though. Like, I'm not sure either. I don't know. I'm not familiar with. Uh, they uh, defeated uh, Donna, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Cristello. Since that's your was, favorite. Oh, go ahead. I would say Cristinello, but yeah. Yeah, it was um, probably Cristinello. Yeah, and then Sensational Sherry, yep. and then Leilani Kai and Junior Martin. Yes, the the Glamour Girls. So, a very rare women's match over here in 1987. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we have a couple good ones in here. I mean, Jumping Bomb Angels are very... Um, well-known sensational Sherry is obviously a legendary figure as well, too. Ooh, they're back. Strike Force. Strike Force. Rick Martel versus Tito Sant. I mean, my bad. Let me start over. So the next match we got is the Strike Force. Rick Martel and Tito Santana. And the British Bulldogs making their return to Retro Blood. And... The fabulous, the fabulous Rujos, and the killer. And this is like stacked up. <laughs> holy shit! And the killer bees. <laughs> how do they even fit in the fucking ring apron? I, I didn't watch this match when I rewatched this show, but this was a ten on ten Survivor Series match. Holy there were fuck. twenty people around that ring. The fuck! And the young stallions, my boy Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Yep. What was the other uh, tag team Paul Roma was part of that was really good? Um, was it Power and Glory? I think it was Power and Glory. Um, possibly. I can't remember, but he Paul Roma is um, a he's a he's a something. <laughs> <laughs> so they defeated Demolition. Yes, our boys Demolition has made it back. Axe uh, Smash. Axe Smash. Um, the Russians. The Bol- why do you say it? The Bol the Bol the Bolovics. The Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks, yes. Yeah, Boris Zukov and uh, Nikolai Volkov. Everybody, yes. yeah, everybody in the although this was starting to run low, but everybody in the eighties had to have a, an evil Russian team. Yes, you had to have at least one evil Russian team, and and a uh, for somebody from the Orient. Yeah, someone from the Orient. It doesn't matter what 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 Asian country they're from. Yes, as long they're, as they're from they're from the Orient and they're evil. Yes, we they're, all, the... they're all they're all, <laughs> they're, all they're all evil. <laughs> Um, speaking of this, this, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you do know this, but this is, this is kind of interesting. So, um, now I can't remember. I think it's smash. 
um, of demolition, Mm -hmm. Barry Darso. So when he worked for Jim Crockett, he was an evil Russian. Yeah. He was Killer Khrushchev. Yes, Killer Khrushchev. Yep, I remember that. Yep. Yep, yep. With my boy, the uh, the Russian sickle. Exactly. The okay. Russian sickle. The Russian sickle. Uh, like I said, we had the Heart Foundation over here, too. We have the Islanders, Haku and Tama. And we have the Dream Team, Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine. And, of course, the Strike Force Bulldogs, that team defeated the Demolition Team. So that's... That seems like it's a very, a very hard match to watch. And that shit went 37 minutes. Holy shit. It went 37 minutes. It was a 10 on 10 match. There's 20 people in the ring. There are also five managers, apparently. Yeah. No, I didn't even like bring <laughs> up the, the ring. I didn't even bring up the fucking managers because there's like a ton <laughs> of them. Like in every fucking So this is the era of, of WWF where there's just managers for everybody. Everybody had a fucking manager. I'm talking about everybody. Even people that even need a manager, they got one. Even though, of course, my favorite manager during this era is Bobby Heaton, which is probably almost everybody else's favorite manager. But, you know, we had some other good ones, too. But everybody during this time definitely had a manager. Yeah. So we're here at the main event of the first ever Survivor Series 1987. The 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 card that we have to threaten uh, pay-per-view companies and closed-circuit companies to, to air. We have, yeah. in the main event, we have Andre the Giant, Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and my boy... Rick Rude. Rick Rude. With Bobby Heaton, Bobby Heaton and Slick. They defeated the mega team of Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Hawk Hogan, Ken Patera, and Paul Orndorff. So that seems like a badass main event, though. Like I, yeah, that, that, was, that, would, that would be an incredible main event. 22 minutes, that went. Yep. But yeah, seeing Bam Bam Bigelow that, you know, pretty early in his career teaming with Hulk Hogan. I'm sure, um, I don't remember how this ended, but... I'm guessing that it came down to Hogan and Andre the Giant. Yeah, and Hogan saying. wins. The, Hogan wins everything, probably. Yeah, of course. Um, so during this time, I would definitely be a little bit more fan of the heel side because, like I said before, in other podcasts, Rick Rude was probably one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I know during this fact, if I was rocking out in the 1987 era, he would be my probably my top favorite wrestler of this era. Um, King Kong Bundy was pretty good too. Like obviously. We had to have all big dudes for Hulk Hogan. That's this is the era of like the big dudes with the Hulk Hogan. But you know, Hulk Hogan also had some pretty good matches with smaller guys too. So, but like I said, Rick Rude was probably my favorite out of all this team right over here. And of course, Andre Andre the Giant. Like, how much more can you say? The guy during this time he's probably like very like on his last leg. I mean. Because this is right after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. This is like you know Andre's winding down. Well, that's a lot more injuries. You know, humongous at this time. So, yeah, he was he was after he turned heel right right before WrestleMania three. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Actually, now look at it. So the heels won this. Yeah, very rare um win for the heels, especially since uh, Hulk Hogan was on the the baby space side. Because most of the time when it was pay per view, Hulk Hogan never lost. I mean, that guy fucking run everything. Yeah, and he was counted out after sixteen minutes. So Hogan Hogan wasn't eliminated, of course, but he was counted out. And it went down to Andre and Bam Bam, and then Andre won't eliminate Bam Bam to win, or he pinned him. Back then, you could, yeah. So he pinned that's him right. To this win, is the yeah. f- this is the famous with, with the sole survivor. Yep, the sole survivor. <laughs> so let's get into Starcade, nineteen eighty-seven, yeah. Chi Town Heat, brother. 
This is from Chicago, Illinois. Every time wrestling goes to Chicago, you know that shit's going to be hot. Chicago is just one of those areas where wrestling is always going to be hot at. Um, so this 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 part is probably going to be pretty awesome. So how are we how are we going to counteract the first ever Survivor Series, the Red Hot WWF? Well, let's see. The first match is going to have Sting, Michael P.S. Hayes, brother, and Jamie Garvin. They fought Eddie Gilbert, Rick Steiner, and Larry Larry Zbysko. <laughs> I can't even say Zabisco. his fucking name. Larry Zabisco. I can't even say his name. Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco. To a time limit draw. And he had Baby Doll with her. There we go. So a time limit draw, which is really weird. They didn't really do a lot of time limit draws on pay-per-view. But, you know, I guess this is uh, this is what they did back in the day. It went 15 minutes. Yep. So it went 15-minute time limit draw. So another thing, too, before we get into the second match... Um, that uh well first of all that first match that would have been a really good curtain jerker like seeing sting in the first match yeah this is early I mean, sting that's though. crazy this well is like... that is that is pretty early sting you're right yeah. he's not a superstar yet but another thing too we got to mention before we get into this next match though is that crockett had produ- promotions had just bought the uwf yeah or which was mid-south wrestling that's how they got it. sting um, that's how they got sting you're right that is how they mm-hmm. got sting so uh bill watts was running mid-south wrestling and then he was trying to take it to the next level to uh, rival the WWF and go national. And it was like an overnight. He changed it to the UWF, and then it became like an overnight success. And then it was just a, like a catastrophic failure. Like it just dropped, and he had to sell the company to Crockett. Yep. Which is why on the second match, we have the UWF Heavyweight Championship being defended. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Steve on Williams. The second spot in the card, yeah. Dr. Death. Dr. Death, Steve Williams versus Barry Windham, which is probably a, probably a badass match, to be honest with you. Oh, Those two was, both yeah. can go work, you know, like they both are one of the all-time uh, best workers in the ring. Uh, Barry Windham was actually one of my favorite workers during this era. Uh, next match is all about the 80s right here, brother. We got the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Martin and Robert Gibson defeated the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane with Jim Cornette and Big Bubba Rogers in a Skywalker's match. Holy shit. Yep. Now, Holy shit. this is the one where Jim Cornette, I think he blew out his both knees when he fell from the scaffold during this time. And so this match, obviously the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express had some great tag team matches during this time. This, I don't think it was one of them because this one, they're, they're on like a freaking scaffold. <laughs> yeah, this is not, this is definitely not one of them. I mean, this, uh. the, um, well, we might want to explain to the audience what a Skywalker's match is. Because even most wrestling fans probably don't even know. But basically, a Skywalker's match is a scaffold match. So you have a ring, like a regular wrestling ring, but 20 feet above that, you have scaffolding. And they they climb up on the scaffolding for some reason to fight. Yes. And it's always really, really slow mm-hmm. because nobody wants to fall 20 feet and die. And it's always very, like, the scaffold is always very rocky. Yeah. So it's like you could tell that everybody's nervous. Now they did do some of these matches in ECW before. True. Um, and also too, you know, to be a little bit relevant nowadays, I'm surprised they haven't done this in GCW. Just wait, they'll bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I mean I love GCW, but I don't know if the rooms they play in are large enough to have a 20 foot scaffold in it. When they get some of that more money, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we have my boy, 
Nikita Koloff, the sickle. Russian sickle. The Russian sickle boy. <laughs> I'll just see fucking um, uh, uh, Jimmy Crockett back in my head. Look at him. Look at him. Look at that sickle. Uh, he defeated Ter- Terry Taylor, the fucking Red Rooster motherfucker, in a championship unification match for the NWA World Television Championship and the UWF Television Championship. So we had a very um, unification style match on this Starcade card. So I bet that match is pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, it went, uh, what, 18, 19 minutes almost? So I yeah. bet that was really good. And of course, so unification match for people who don't know is if you have two titles, you have two people that hold those titles, they fight over it, and whoever wins, that's the title that they have going forward, and the other title ceases to exist. Yes, which is how Crockett got rid of the other the UWF World Television Championship mm-hmm. to keep his own. And a couple of years after this, around two thousand one, I believe we had the invasion. Uh, WWF and WCW did the same kind of concept. Where they would unify mm-hmm. the titles as well. So, a little history there. Uh, the next match we're going to have is Arn Anderson and Tolly Blanchard. They defeated the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, by disqualification for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. What a fucking awesome match that probably was. Yeah, but that was fucking, incredible. These guys just beating the shit out of each other. I mean, two, two of the greatest teams right there. Um, just going at it. Of course, you know, disqualification finish. I could, you know, they, for two badass teams like this, I could see how they can use that where they don't want to have any of those um, two team blues. But, no, next... well, yeah. And then Arn and Tully probably uh, didn't want to get, they probably, I haven't seen this match in a really long time, although yeah. I've seen this show quite a few times, but Arn and Tully probably didn't want to mix it up too much with uh, Animal and Hulk either. Yeah. So, up next, we got Dusty Rhodes. He defeated Lex Luger in a steel cage match to to win the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. Ooh, what a great match. What a great match. Not the main event. Not the but... main event, but a great match. <laughs> so, there were more. There was another good match coming. But, yeah, so, yeah, that would have been crazy. So, um, it... so, I'm guessing Luger was a heel then. I don't really necessarily remember that, but I guess Luger was a heel around this time. Yeah, so, this is like when... That we saw the four horsemen, but they were about to be. I think they either had Lex Luger in the four horsemen during this time, or he's about to be in the four horsemen because um, he was managed by well, he was with JJ Dillon at this time. So I'm pretty sure this is when they lost Ole Anderson, and mm. we had Arn Anderson and Tully Brancher as a tag tag champs. We had Lex Luger as a United States champion. We had Ric Flair as a, was a world champion. So we had that incarnation of the four horsemen during this time. Well, when was Barry Windham in the Four Horsemen? He was after um, Lex Luger. Like when they kicked out Lex oh, okay. Luger, that's when Barry Windham joined in. So <laughs> okay. a lot of a lot of people like the Barry Windham era a little bit better, but I I actually like the Lex Luger era because they were building up this young guy. They put him in a hot stable. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, kind of like I wouldn't say like evolution, but there's it's very similar to how well certain wrestling promotion like okay like the. Uh, uh, the inner circle where they bring like a hot a young star like Sammy Guevara in there to to mm. you know be like the young hot you know rising star, and that's what they were doing yes. with Lex Luger at this time, making him like the very hot young r- rising star. So, and of yeah, course, that's a good point. Yeah, and he holds that kind of, and Sammy Sammy Guevara kind of holds the title that 
would be equivalent to this almost. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, okay. So, in a very rare occurrence, we have back-to-back steel cage matches. The main event mm-hmm. was Ric Flair. Uh, he defeated Ron Garvin in a steel cage match to win back the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So this is the era where I think Ron Garvin, he, I think he pinned Ric Flair like on TV or at a house show or something. And it was like this whole big chase that Ron Garvin had because Ric Flair kept ducking him for the world title. And he finally beat Flair for the world title. But this is when Flair got the gold back. He got it back by defeating Ron Garvin. I was never a really big fan of Ron Garvin. Like he, he was an okay wrestler and everything. Um, he was just, to me, he was just a little bit too bland. Yeah, I mean, to me, Ron Garvin just looked like the guy that worked on my car. Yeah, pretty much. Like he just—he just looks like a like a regular, you know, good old boy mechanic. You know, he actually There's looked nothing like, special about him. What? You know, he actually looked like to me. He what? actually looked like our boy Todd and Terry's dad. Oh, kinda, yeah. Maybe he was. Uh, maybe he was the guy in the in the in the car getting it on with the with Maddie. But we'll maybe. see. Maybe there's uh but there's a, actually <laughs> the so the story like you're talking about with with Flair and Garvin. So I'm pretty sure, um, actually, I know quite a bit about this show, but nice. I'm pretty sure that um, they wanted to get the title off of Flair because he, he'd held it a really long time. Yep. And the original plan was for Magnum TA to, to, to take the title from him. Yes. But then Magnum was in that car accident and couldn't wrestle again. So they had to find someone, somebody, and Garvin was the person they picked, and it was only a short-term solution anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he was only supposed to hold it. He was like an inner, like a uh, uh, what's oh uh, the um, transitional champion. He's a transitional champion, yeah. Kind of like when Mankind won the title that time, Mick Foley won it because usually a transitional champion will happen when the person that's holding the title doesn't want to be pinned by the person they want to hold the title. Mm-hmm. So they'll pick a transitional champion that this person that's holding the title will agree to job to. And then they can, then that person can be beat by the person that actually do want to be champion. Um, so of course that didn't happen this time, but they had a transitional champion this time because they didn't have another baby face to put it on. So they put it on Ronnie Garvin and I think it was the only time he actually held the title. Yeah. So it's probably a good, spot because it was probably a good time for him to have that one thing that he probably would never have gotten he probably was in his 40s by that point i would imagine yeah i think he was so Um, we we gave him a uh, run with the belt brother gave him his run yeah for Uh a couple months but yeah so i mean this could this show i mean the way we talk about it i mean to us this show seems like it's pretty good but it was considered pretty lackluster for his day yeah um, like it was definitely not as good as, uh, um, the year before, um, where they were also, I believe, no, they weren't, were they in Chicago or were they in Greensboro? They were in Greensboro. They were in Greensboro because this show took place yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Cause it was supposed to be in Greensboro this, that year. But then because of WrestleMania being, they basically Crockett wanted it to be in a, city that people had heard of yeah like a like because wrestlemania was coming from madison square garden and everybody knew where that was but nobody knew where the hell greensboro was yep so they wanted it wanted to have it in a big city so instead of and it was a huge money loss not only because nobody carried the pay-per-view but it was also a money loss because they could have sold twenty thousand tickets at least 
um, in Greensboro because they sold pretty sure the year before they sold out the Coliseum and then they sold these, the Coliseum used to have a building beside it. Um, and they, they closed, they did closed circuit TV to that building and sold it out too. So instead of having, you know, 35,000 people watching this thing live, they moved it to Chicago, which was only 8,000 seats. Yep. So they basically got a third of their ticket money and no pay-per-view buys. So it was a pretty much a disaster for the most part. Yeah, definitely a disaster. And the Skywalker's match was not as good as the one before it, the year before, where they had um, the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something. This is definitely one of the most um, historic two-night events that happened around this time, 1987. So, I'm, you know, just look at the cards. Like, just by looking at it on paper, obviously, I think I would like the Starcade one a little bit more because I'm a little bit more oh, into, yeah. like, the, uh, that style of wrestling. But... I mean, you cannot deny the star power that that Survivor Series had. So no, I could definitely no. see how they how they won that. All right, everybody. So before we get into the actual review of this movie, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the behind the scenes of this movie because it's very interesting to have a movie that went through so many like name changes through this whole time. Um, so this movie, it was. Filmed in 1983 in Jacksonville, Florida. All right. Where the producer, uh, Mariana Cater, she had um, secured a couple of locations, uh, mostly in like the University of Florida um, and then some like a apartment complex in Jacksonville, Florida. But apparently she she is the person, the director, who, she actually played a role in this movie. She was actually the doctor, Dr. Uh, Behrman. Because the actress who was supposed to play Barryman uh, didn't show up. So she did the roles of that. And they had a working title of this movie at the time called Complex. But then they later revisited over to um, Slasher, which we saw in the main title when we were watching the film. But, right. but then when people were like hearing about this movie in theaters, it was called Night... Night uh, Nightmare at Shadowwoods. So it's kind of weird to say, okay, I'm here to see Nightmare at Shadowwoods. And then on the screen, it says Slasher. They're like, well, what the fuck? Did I get to the wrong movie? And then later on, uh, it got released on Blu-ray and VHS has Blood Rage. So <laughs> it just went through a bunch of like different name changes throughout the time. It's very interesting that way. So um, just before we get into it too, um, Nightmare at the Shadowwoods. It, they had a cable version of this TV, which obviously was going to be heavy edited and taking out most of the gore and everything. But it did contain a swimming pool scene not found in the 1987 Blood Rage version. So, so later on, so the one we watched has a a the the swimming pool scene at the end. It has that in uh, this movie that we watched, but Nightmare on Shadow Woods. Basically, it's like going to see a horror movie with half the stuff cut out. So. Well, yeah, it was a TV version, so you couldn't, like, I mean, when people watch this, they'll see, but, like, you couldn't have a gore like this on television. Yep. Even now, probably. Yeah, so but so they had it on the TV version was cut, but also the movie version, too, was also cut, too. So it's pretty crazy. I guess, so I guess they had some, so it's basically kind of, probably how they had some horror movies when they were on, on TV. So you would have a cut. And then you would have a cut, you know, they cut it down for the TV. But apparently this movie was even cut even more than what we saw. So, 
Yeah, that's that swimming pool scene was. They cut that entirely, right? Yeah, they cut that entirely. Yep, you got it. it except for the TV version. Yeah. But uh, let's get into... Oh, boy, I can't wait. Low-key, my favorite... One of my favorite horror movies of all time. A Thanksgiving tradition, if there ever was one. Let's get into everybody. Let's get into Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. I've bred everybody. <laughs> Here's to the new family. Great! Right. I think I got you. Hey, who's that? Who's chick there? I don't know. <laughs> got to have friends here. This place is slow death. Oh, we'll find something for you to do. I think that you should go home too because there's a bad person out here tonight. Okay. So go home and don't let anybody in. Okay. Hi. Horrible. How can they show that on TV? Get out of here, Kurt. We're here. We're in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, no, this is not AEW podcast, but we're in we're in 1974. All right, we're at Route 35. We are about to be going into a drive-in movie theater. The movie we're seeing. It's going to be called The House That Cried Murder. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go on. <laughs> that that pretty much sums, uh, like starts this movie off perfectly. <laughs> it does. The, okay, this whole movie, uh, this whole movie is my favorite. So we're in this fucking driving theater. We see this dude in a purple shirt. He looks like he's having the best time ever. He's grabbing his popcorn. He's walking around. We see everybody driving up to a drive-in movie. Uh, John, have you ever been to a drive-in movie before? Um, I don't think so. See, I haven't either, but boy, if this was, if I was rocking 1974, this is where you, you'd be making some babies. Or you'd be making oh, yeah. some babies oh, yeah. at the fucking drive-in theater. Because yeah, our I boy, mean, every... go ahead. No, so see, everyone's, uh, everyone's just like fucking everywhere. They're just like fucking the everywhere. Russo cars, yeah. sidecars. Oh, like, I don't even know. Like did, everywhere. did the movie even start? Like, it just they're just going <laughs> right at it. All right? They're just like, fuck it. We're in this drive-in theater. We have our cars. We're going to be fucking. All right? That's how it goes. So our boy in the purple shirt, he buys some fucking condoms from none other than Ted Raimi. Yep. Of all fucking... I, when I saw him in there, I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> of course, his brother made the uh, Evil Dead and Spider-Man. Uh, trilogies yep. very very interesting uh we actually see a lot of ted raimi in uh, different horror movies so we'll probably be revisiting him again but i thought it was like a pretty uh just a random uh fucking cameo there yeah but apparently he wasn't like like when i saw that because so i had never seen this movie before yeah so let's put that out there i had never seen this movie before we watched it this week so um when i saw that i was like wow how did they get ted raimi to be in this but then i was like well he probably wasn't famous at all then no, he probably just showed up, you know, like, yeah, hey, I'm here. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't. Think look at his role. He just, role. he just giving out some condoms. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. <laughs> um, 
So after that, then we see a bunch of uh, people making out, kids making out. The funniest one, though, was like the fucking hippie guy trying to make out with that person. He was getting denied. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then we see uh, a guy in like a Hawaiian looking shirt trying to hit on this this girl. I don't know how old she was. She had to be like 35, 36, maybe 37, 40. I don't know. But this is when we see the main character, Maddie. She is a, as a mother, and she she brought her two boys to see this fucking uh, uh, was it the house that cried murder? She brought yep. her two boys to see there, and she didn't want to watch the movie. She wanted to get it on with this dude in the car. And when they're uh, kissing, she goes, "Hey, yeah, don't wake the boys." <laughs> and then, of course, when they're kissing, they actually, they eventually do wake the boys. Uh, our boys at this time are both going to be Todd and Terry, the T's. And they they see their mom and say, gross. They get kind of offended by it. Uh, I think Terry was the one that said, oh boy, mom's at it again. And then they, they exit the vehicle. And they start... Uh, John, were you ever, when you were younger, did you ever have a family member drive you to a horror movie and you would be sleeping in the back? Well, not really horror movies because uh, nobody in my family was really into horror movies. But I did go to a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have been able to go to at an early age because my parents didn't really have like any babysitting, like anybody babysit me. So yeah. like I can remember being pretty small and going to see like rated R movies, like Clint Eastwood movies and stuff like that in the movie theater that I probably shouldn't have been able to see. Yep. So mine that I can remember was there was like this new theater opening up in town I, I was living in miami florida at the time and we got a bunch of free tickets and basically when you got into the theater you can go watch any movie that you want and they had a bunch of screenings i can't remember all the movies but i remember the first movie i went into i had to be like maybe like 12 13 maybe at the time maybe even younger probably around probably around 11 i would have to say at the time um and then I, I I was watching the beginning of True Lies. Remember that movie? Oh yeah, with uh, Schwarzenegger and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, I was watching that one as a youngster, and it didn't. My parents caught me, and they're like, "What are you doing in this movie?" And they had to like get me out to some other movie. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then during this time, our boy Todd and Terry. So apparently, Terry. Now they both are. So they are both like identical twins. They both look yep. exactly like each other. And, of course, when we see them older, they're both played by the same actor. That's how they can right. kind of portray twins. But this time, they had two uh, kids that looked very like each other. And Terry's, like, looking at this couple just, like, going at it in the car. And the guy looks up, like, get out of here, brat. And then next thing you know, Terry, he already, I don't know where he found this thing. He just found it. Like, they just so happen to have axes laying around. Okay, at this fucking drive-in movie. So as the axe laying around, he takes the axe and just starts uh, like cutting down this dude. Fucking cutting his head, cutting his face off. A uh, girl screams butt naked out of the car. And we see we hear Maddie saying, oh, where's the boys at and everything? And she realizes the boys have missed uh, are out of the car, so she goes looking for them. And then we see a scene of both uh, one of the blo- boys with all blood over him because Terry has, after he chopped down this guy, he um, smeared blood all over Todd. And we keep hearing, like, uh, Terry goes, Mommy, where's my mommy? And then the mom shows up, and she's like, okay, 
this this freaking girl, her acting was just all over the place in this fucking movie. The mom, Maddie. What did you think Maddie. about Maddie's acting in this whole fucking so, movie? So, I do have a lot to say about this, and I don't know if I should. We should talk about it now, yeah, or if we should talk about it at the end of the movie. But probably at the end of the movie would be better, okay? Because I'm going to ask you some questions about it. But so her acting is, um. It's very like animated. It, it, it's strange. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. But then when I tell you some history about her later on, it might make sense and it'll be part of the discussion after we finish up the plot points. But, okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's okay. So it's, it's not any stranger than anything else in this movie. That's true. But it is, but it is strange. But I thought this was really weird that they gave you, they gave away the, uh, the, uh, the little plot twist right at the beginning of the movie though. Yeah. Well, if you don't catch it right away, but they kind of did get it away, like at the, yeah. at the little bit of that. But you know, fuck you, who cares? <laughs> so the, when the, Maddie was up there, she was like, "Calm down, Terry." Just said it like very weird. And then we see Todd over there <laughs> just shaking. Just the way she said it, like it's like, "Oh, calm down, Terry." <laughs> what the fuck? And then we see Todd just shaking there. And now it's uh, it's 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 ten years later now. All yeah, right. So it's now it's 1984. Although we're watching this movie in 1987. Yes. But but yeah, it's 1984. 1984 now, and it just so happens to be Thanksgiving, right? It so happens. It just so happens to be Thanksgiving. This is why it's a Thanksgiving horror movie because it just so happens that all the killing is taking place on Thanksgiving. Now, is there some it, sort of killer magical turkey? No, but it's Thanksgiving horror movie. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. Nothing. It just so happens to be Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I mean, the only thing I can there's is one reason I can think of that it took place on Thanksgiving. But I'm sure you'll mention that, and I'll point it out when you do. Yes, which is one of my favorite lines ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I know this movie. This is my favorite. All right, so we got we got Doctor uh, Bearman. She is just going over all this plot times we have todd he's been in this hospital for 10 years he doesn't show a lot of sign of like anger and stuff he just he hasn't had a normal childhood uh this is the one of the first times he's seeing his his mom again i want to see how they react um she's just going on about all this like medical style history she said she wants to do a couple experiments like she wants to see how todd might be able to do out in the wild and how he does around his mom and stuff um so the mom gets there and of course the mom at this time when I say mom, we're going to refer to Mandy because I'm not going to call her Mandy the whole time. I'm going to call her the mom. Yeah. Maddie. Yeah. Maddie. Yes. Uh, she is there and she's just very like, like she thinks Todd's like some crazy killer. Like she's just like very awkward around him, but she does go there every Thanksgiving and gives him a piece of pie. Uh, I'm guessing it's pumpkin pie. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. I'm sorry. Just continue. Yeah, well, I, lo- I love every it. Thanksgiving and gives him a piece of pie. John, the the cheese in this movie is like ultimate cheese. I love it. Okay, she gets him a fucking pumpkin pie, and then of course he can't handle the pumpkin pie because he just crumbles that shit up and throws it everywhere because he has these tantrums and shit. All right. Well, yeah, he's yeah he's catatonic, I guess, from being because so yeah, so it kind of tells you that he was blamed. See, at this point in the movie, we already they've already told us that. Uh, Wait, is it Todd? Todd's in the mental institution, right? Yeah, Todd is the yeah. one who got framed. Terry is yeah, like he got the, framed. Yes. Terry was the real killer. Yes, so Todd went catatonic, I guess, because he's he was stuck in the mental hospital for ten years. Yeah, because nobody believed him that Terry was the one who 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 did the murders. They were just weren't believing him. 
during this right. time. They just think he was just like an insane kid. Right. So this is also too when we see Terry and like all these kids, they look like, I mean, you talk about 80s. All, every single fucking one of these kids look like they, they're out of the 80s. It was perfect. All right, they got their short shorts going on over here. All right. Cut off shirts. Cut off shirts. Everybody's fucking horny. All right, we we see the 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 uh, we have a new person who moved into town. So they all live at this uh, apartment complex called um, Shadowwood Apartment Complex. All right, and we have a new person who moved in. The mother's name is Beth, and she her daughter's name is Andrea. All right, so we have like Terry over here talking to some of his friends. His friend's name is Greg. We have Artie over there. Um, we have a girl named Karen too. She's there as well, and uh, Terry invited. Uh, Andrea to the Thanksgiving um, at her at his mom's house. Yep. All right. So that's when we get. Now we're at Thanksgiving. Now we have um, the mom, uh, Maddie, saying, "You know, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This turkey looks great." But she has a big announcement, and her announcement is she is married to uh, this guy named Brad, who I swear she kept calling Red during the whole movie. Uh, Did you I don't remember that? that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I don't remember that. But yeah, his name is Brad. They're not married though, right? They're no, they're engaged right now. They're engaged. Yeah. 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 So they they announced their engagement at the Thanksgiving table, and then like right when they did that, you see Terry got triggered, and then we hear like this very yeah. like creepy music, like dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the music keeps going on, like this creepy music, and then it's like, and, and then Terry's like. Oh, um, congratulations, guys! Like, and it's like creepy music in the background. It's like, oh, congratulations, guys! Uh, I, I'm so happy for you. And <laughs> and then uh, Maddie's like, oh, do you want to cut the turkey? It's like, well, I think Brad should do it. He got to start showing being the man around the house now. <laughs> and like, the background's like this creepy music. It's so corny. And then um, during this time too, Andrea's there saying like she has to go babysit for somebody, but she wants Terry to accompany her over there. And we can kind of see already that they're like this Andrea girl. She is ready to party. She just wants to party and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we hear the phone call ring. Uh, Maddie, uh, or the mom, goes to the phone. She answers it. She says that she gets a message saying that Todd has escaped from the hospital. Now, how did and he, he escape? Go ahead. I was going to say, and he may be heading home. And he may be heading home. How did he escape? Uh, we don't know. Uh, the only thing I could think, actually, I'm, I was okay. I was a little confused about this plot point because at the beginning, I'm real uh, confused about this plot point. But anyway, <laughs> continue on, continue with your, your your confusion, and then you can explain how this worked to me. Okay, so so it was. I first thought that Doctor Berryman released him, kind of like how Lumen, kind of like how that guy on the um, the new Halloween released Michael Myers out there in the yeah. land to kind of see, to kind of be like an experiment and to see how he would do out there in the wild. I thought yeah. the doctor would maybe released Todd to be out there, but we find out that the doctor didn't know about that. Cause she was up there looking for him during this whole time. So yes. they didn't really explain this part. And Todd just so happened to escape. Yeah. So, yeah. So my confusion is, um, so yeah, so this is the, the scene they ripped off from Halloween. Yes. Where he escapes. The child killer escapes 10 years later. Um, oh, yeah. So my confusion is, so he's heading home, right? So how does he know where they live? They just moved into Shadow Woods. Well, maybe he... No, 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 no. They didn't... They, I think they lived there. Terry and all them lived there. It was this other girl who just moved in. Oh, right. Okay. Never mind. I was confused. So I'm, so I, it, it, I, it had to be fault, like yeah. their childhood home. That's the only thing I could think okay. of. 
It has to be. Yeah. Yes. They must have lived in this apartment complex. Yes. Then. Yeah. For for more than ten years. Mm-hmm. So at this time, the mom's like, "Hey, you know, we got these people over here. Like Terry, like don't tell anybody that your fucking brother's on the loose and shit." And Terry's like, "Okay, well, we got to figure out, you know, what to do, but I won't tell anybody." And then they get back at the table. He's like, "He's like, hey, Brad. Uh, pretty soon you're gonna meet our whole family. Terry just, I mean, Todd just escaped from the mental hospital, and he starts eating." And then the mom, <laughs> <laughs> and then the mom is just like, "This motherfucker!" Like with her face is so. <laughs> oh God, it was fantastic. Oh, just her face and everything. You're just sitting there like, "Oh yeah, he's, you're gonna be meeting him soon." And then they go on to like kind of like bring up like Todd's history to the to the other people who were there of how he was like an escaped mental pr- patient. Uh, like, because all the killings he did back in the day. Uh, I'm going to put this part uh, somewhere else because I forgot about this part. I wanted to bring it up for a little transition. So after all this um, happened, the mom, uh, she is a little upset at Terry for spilling the beans. So she has to go to her room. And then this is where we see a bunch of portraits of the kids everywhere. Brad enters the room. And Brad, he is he already had his fucking Thanksgiving dinner he has some thanksgiving beer in him he is ready to fuck all right so he is just trying to get on to maddie trying to uh make out with her but maddie can't do anything because she's so abstract by by todd being released and through that we kind of see the mom kind of like slowly getting more upset as she can she can't really like focus on anything about todd being out there in the wild because she's halfway worried about him and she's halfway um scared of him coming by as well too so this her her main thing at this time is like she needs to clean. Like she has to like start cleaning everything. Okay. Yes. So also during this time um uh, they hear a knock at the door and then Terry answers the door and this guy Jackie just runs up to him like, "Hey, Todd, I caught you." And then the doctor's like, "That's not Todd, that's Terry. They look exactly alike." And Jackie goes, "Oh shit, my bad." And this is when they they need to go look for Todd. And we have Dr. Uh, Berryman, which is Todd's doctor from the mental hospital, and her assistant, Jackie. And right. they are looking for Todd. And now uh, the mom is like, she, the mom is like, she just like ascends to madness during this whole movie. She's just yes. getting crazier and crazier. Like, I think she was the craziest one in this fucking movie besides. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. <laughs> like she was but just you, on the same level you, as Terry. Right. But you forgot that. So they, they, they Jackie barges through the door with the gun, right? Yeah. And then T- Terry freaks out, or he didn't freak out. He's like, oh, he's like, you're pulling it. He's like, oh, my God, it's a gun. And then Jackie's like, don't worry, it's just a tranquilizer gun. And then, like, like two seconds later, Maddie jump, runs through the door, and she's like, oh, my God, it's a gun. And then we have this conversation <laughs> about the tranquilizer gun again. Oh, yes, the, tra- yes, the tranquilizer gun. <laughs> so this is, my, this is when um, uh, Brad, he, he left with um uh dr Berryman and jackie and he's going over how he is the landlord he is actually the landlord of the um shadow woods Park. apartment complex right and he he said uh he's gonna go back to his office and he said there's only a couple places where todd could be hiding he could be hiding in the pool area he could be hiding in the nature walk that they have um and then uh well, he could go ahead as i say or on one of the decks yes yeah, so, or one of the decks as well um, and then he goes back to his office, okay. And I don't know what the fuck this guy does do. He's listening to some like some like random religious programming during this whole time, and he's trying to make some like he's uh, 
listening to uh, trying to make some phone calls and see if he can get like a crew together to go find Todd. And this is also too when we see uh, uh, the doctor uh, tell Jackie to, hey, I need you to go down to the alley where all these like apartment complexes alley to go look from there. I'm going to go by the woods to, to the nature walk to go look from. So they split up. And during this stuff, we see more of Brian in there, you know, doing some um, paperwork, trying to like figure out where Todd could be, maybe uh, trying to, you know, get a plan together. We see Todd, I mean, Terry. Terry. Terry come up behind him and knock on the door. And then Brad turns around. He's like, hey, champion. Didn't he just fucking slices that motherfucker's hand? And we just see blood popping everywhere. What did you think about the gore in this movie? Actually, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the effects the effects were the best part of this movie for sure. But they were they were actually really good. I mean, some of it they tried to do too much, like with this scene, because this is the scene where uh, isn't it the scene where he cuts his hand off and yep. then has the beer can in the hand? Yeah, the beer can hand. So, it's just flying yeah, so everywhere. They had like a, yeah, so they had like a little animatronic hand that was supposed to be holding a beer can. I mean, it, I mean, for what it was, it was it was pretty good, but they lingered on it a little bit too long, I think. Yep. So during also too during this time uh, we have Jackie during the whole time and most of these characters are just saying, Todd, Todd, where are you? Todd, Todd, are you there? Where are you, Todd? <laughs> during the whole time. So then eventually Terry, mm. uh, and then so Jackie's just like he's like looking for him and he's kind of like at this little balcony where uh where one of the apartments are and he decided to take a little smoke break. And yep. then while he's taking his smoke break, Terry comes up. And at first he's like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, you're Terry. You know, you guys look just so much alike. You and Todd just like, like we're not most of them, like the audience could tell they're twins. But this guy, this guy kind of reminded me of like a uh, Monday Night Raw segment where we have to tell everybody that they're twins. Hey, you look so much alike. Hey, you guys look so much alike. You look so much alike. I was like, fuck, we get it, man. We get it. We look, we get it. Well, that's the entire crux of the whole movie. Like, you don't have a movie unless you're constantly having people that are confusing the two. That's true. I mean, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something. Like, they're like constantly, like, people are constantly, like, thinking one is the other one. I don't, I don't know. This whole thing is just weird. Like this whole story is weird. Like, so like, but you wouldn't remember what Terry was wearing or would you assume that Todd from the mental institution is wearing the same thing? Maybe he's wearing the same thing. Maybe he got like some double clothing or something. Well, anyway, he, he offers uh, Terry some weed. Terry takes the weed and eventually Terry just fucking stabs his ass with a machete. Yeah. That's the one where he's holding the machete in his hand, right? Yes. And he's like, and, or he's holding it behind his back. Yeah, behind his back. Yeah, he's yeah. holding it behind his back yeah. like you couldn't see it. And then he's like, and then he just decides to like, the the evil music hits again. He just decides to kill him after they smoke weed. Yep, pretty much. So after, um, after Terry butchered our boy, Jackie, we get uh, a couple scenes of Todd around here and Todd actually runs into a little girl just randomly out there in the woods and he goes up to the little girl is like hey you know you should the little girl's apparently looking for some cat he's like hey you shouldn't be out here there are some crazy people out here tonight go home and lock your door if anybody tries to answer your door don't open it no matter who it is no matter who it is and no matter who they say they are do yeah. not open your door 
Yes, this will be a plot point later on. This will, yeah, this is a plot point <laughs> later on. Okay, we got that. And then also, too, during this time, we get Dr. Berryman. She's looking for uh, Todd out there in the woods. And eventually, she gets cornered by Terry. And Terry, like, freaking just chops her into pieces. Yep. Like, fucking just, like, chops her, like, like she chops her torso and her legs both off. I was like, fuck, okay, that was easy. We got rid of two people like swiftly like that with his machete. But yeah. we forgot to mention yeah. our uh, catch line for the movie. Yes. So after he he uh, chops up some people and he's taking after he his kills sh- Jackie. After he kills Jackie, he <laughs> he is like, is this when he's cleaning himself or when he's it's looking- when he, yeah he's cleaning the machete and he then he's about the, so after he kill every after every kill he changes clothes. That's true. Yeah, after, but yeah, he he's cleaning the machete off with his shirt, I think. And then we have the catch line of the movie. Oh, my favorite catch line. He's basically saying, "Well, it's not cranberry sauce." Yep. The catch line of this movie is, "It's not cranberry sauce." It's not cranberry sauce. So, do you think, James, that this <laughs> yes. entire movie could have been written around that catch line? And the reason that it, it takes place on Thanksgiving is so that they would have an excuse to say that. Well, John, my educated guess is, yes, you're correct. (laughs) So someone in some meeting somewhere thought this was a great idea and said, oh, their catch line is going to be, well, it's not cranberry sauce. Well, you know, so cranberry sauce is red. Okay. No, I understand (laughs) the connection. (laughs) It's, you know, it's not cranberry sauce. What do you want it to do? It's, you know, I don't know. Yes. I'm just, I just can't believe that someone didn't veto this long before we got to this point. But anyway. John, anyway how could you so... veto this movie? This is like, this is some cinematic gold over here, okay? This motherfucker is killing people, it's blood, and he's saying it's not cranberry sauce. It's just, it all ties together. It's fantastic. <laughs> it, okay. it does. It all ties together. And then when he cuts, uh, then uh, which girl does he cut up first? An- Andrea? No, he doesn't kill Andrea. No, 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 not yet. The, the first girl he killed was the doctor. The doctor, yeah. So he kills the doctor, and that was a pretty good effect too. Yeah. They lingered on it again too long, but I mean, like you know, they she's cut in half, and then they have like a, a lower half torso that's still moving. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Like they have like a lower half that's still moving, and everything. Very, very fun effect that they had over here. Um. So during all this time, <laughs> we get Maddie, and she is starting to drink. All right, she's now uh, doing some house chores, but we noticed that she's starting to drink now when it comes to this. Uh, this is also to, you know, like I said, we got Terry cleaning up his clothes and everything. And he is about to go visit Andrea because Andrea is babysitting at this time. So this is also to when we meet Karen. Karen has now arrived to uh, Terry and Maddie's house. Uh, I think their last name is Simons. So the Simons residence. She is there because she really wants to meet Terry because her and Terry are a couple, supposedly. And she's knocking on the door. She doesn't know where, where Terry's at. Eventually, she sees Todd because Todd was trying to get in the house, kind of. He's kind of just looking there creepy. And he comes up to Karen. And we get a uh, one of our first awkward scenes over here. So Terry's just like, oh, um... <laughs> no, uh, Karen's just like, oh, Terry... Oh, there you are. Why weren't you saying anything? Oh, you must be high. That's why you're being all shy and everything. Well, hey, listen. 
I just want to let you know, like, I really love you, and I want you to, I want you to be with me right now. I was like, fuck, this girl just saying it. Okay, there we go. And then Todd's like, I'm not Terry, I'm Todd. <laughs> does she tell him right there? Yeah, he told him right there. Like, oh, she does, yeah. Oh, but he looks completely different at this point. Like, his hair style completely different. Uh, Todd has this, like, Dean Ambrose hair going on where it's just yeah, kind of, like, like, sort of hanging in his face. But they do look yeah. alike. So I guess you could assume that, yeah. you know, maybe he didn't, maybe well, Terry just didn't have his little... Uh, slick back hair like the people in the 80s slicked it back on the sides i don't know what yeah call well that, karen back or whatever well karen also like thought he was high so that's why he was acting all shy and everything because she, oh, she said like oh you're kind of quiet when you're high so right. um and then like he <laughs> todd's just like i never kissed a girl before and Aaron's just like, oh you should try it sometimes he runs out of there and then she goes meets up with uh, some other characters that we definitely could tell are gonna die um Artie and greg Artie is like the nerdy guy that is like her friend, her like uh, or her friend that's in the friend zone, and then we have Greg, which is kind of like the jock dude over there. And she was telling Artie and Greg about, "Hey guys, you guys, don't believe what happened. I was looking for Terry, but I ran into Todd." It's like, "Oh, wasn't Todd like their crazy brother that escaped?" And she's like, "Yeah, he's like totally creepy and everything. He tried to kiss me and everything." And then we got um um. Uh, Greg and Artie, they 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 go to try to find him, but they couldn't find him during this time. Yep. So he's uh, he's off again. Yes. Odd. So he kind of like hides a little bit during this time. Uh, so now we are back at we are now revisiting Andrea. She is babysitting at uh, a house for two characters that are named Jill and Bill. Okay, and we'll get to them in a second because that's also a funny backstory. So Andrew's over here. We get a knock at the door. Terry has arrived. All right. And he's over there. This Andrew girl, she has a plan. Her plan is to get this guy drunk and to have some 80s fun time action. Okay. So Terry, he denies the drink. So that's the first sign of like, she's, she's like, oh no. And then they get on the couch and she start taking off her top a little bit. But Terry, he ain't feeling nothing of, that, of this at the time. And we find out a little bit why later. Alright, let's see what we got during this time. So during this time too, uh the mom, she is drinking heavily now. And she is trying to call Brad. Brad is not answering. Like she's just calling and calling and calling. <laughs> this went on forever. So this so her scene, we could talk about it right now because it might so they like so I think what they did was I think they filmed her scene like all at once. You know what I mean? Of her just like calling multiple operators, oh, and then they just sliced it in to like each part because there's just so many fucking cutscenes with her trying to call somebody to get fucking Brad on the line, and like yeah, each like time they would come back, yeah, calling people. She keeps no. The funniest part, she keeps calling the operator. <laughs> like she's calling the operator. Like this is giving her a life story. Like my son Todd escaped from the hospital and stuff. He, I need to talk to Brad. Where is he? Why don't you get me on the phone with them? And the operator's like, listen, I don't know what the fuck. You're, do you need 911? No, I don't need 911. I need Brad. And stuff like that. <laughs> so she keeps like calling these motherfuckers during the whole time. And we keep seeing that cut, cut scene throughout the whole time. And the mom is telling Terry to go find Brad. And, and then she, she's also telling him, like, hey, I need you to put on a blue sweater as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ran- randomly enough, I need you to put on a blue sweater. Yes. Um, 
And then, you know, Todd, he's just around there kind of like, we don't see too much of him during this part. He's just kind of like drifting back and forth. But we do get back to Andrea and we do get back to Terry. They're watching some sort of like horror movie at this time. I'm not even sure what kind of movie it was. I didn't really get the clips of it. Maybe it was that fucking uh, uh, House house Cries or something. The house that dripped murder or yeah. cried murder yeah, or whatever not, it was. Yeah, the yeah. House, yeah, that's the hot movie, 1983. Um, so Jill and Bill arrive. So Jill is the one who has a child. And Andre was Andrea was babysitting for that child. And Bill is the new date that she has. And at the time, Bill was like, all right, what are you kids up to and stuff? You guys drinking stuff? You shouldn't be drinking. You're too young and everything. And then Jill's like, oh, just let the kids be kids. And then Terry goes, we're not really kids, you know that? We're kind of like out of high school, out of college already. <laughs> and they just leave on. <laughs> and they just leave. Um, and then we can kind of see Jill is uh, kind of, um, so this Bill guy is kind of like a nerdy guy. And the Jill girl, you could tell she's like a little bit more of a uh, trophy type of wife over here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she is trying to seduce Bill a little bit during this time. Um, so at this time, this is when we get a meeting of, we have Terry, we have Andre, we have Andrea. I don't want to keep saying Andre. Like Andre the Giants in this fucking movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That'd be something. If he played uh, the part, of, if he played Andrea in this movie, yeah, that, that, would, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Well, we got Terry, we got Andrea, we got uh, Greg, Artie, and we got Karen. They all meet together, and then um, Greg and Artie spill the beans, like, "Hey, we just ran into Todd and everything." Like, and then Terry gets like, super upset. He's like, "Fucking my brother's like a freaking crazy murder and stuff," and they're about to go to blows, and he just like storms off because he wants to go look for him uh, because he knows he's around here, he's on the loose and everything. And he, he, he's trying to do this, all these murders and stuff to blame it on his brother during this time. Because I guess he got triggered by his his mom pronouncing her love to Brad. So, yes. so during this too, like, so uh, he just walks off and then Andrew's like, listen, guys, I got the house all to myself. I want to drink, party, and probably fuck one of you guys. You guys want to party? And they're like, hell yeah, let's go party. And then Karen, then they eventually um, have Karen... Um, follow them too during this time so too when we get uh we have billy and we have julie now all right julie is trying to show billy some sort of liquor bottle of what this liquor bottle was saying and apparently billy is a little embarrassed by what the liquor bottle was saying because it has some sort of sexual tone with it so <laughs> and then julie goes in because she hears her baby crying and she goes into the uh goes into the her room to take care of her baby and she's like like it's okay baby uh, mommy's trying to get us a rich husband over here and then this is when terry shows up and he eventually kills our boy bill and then we hear a couple knocking at the door jill goes to find the door she sees bill's swinging head during this time and then we get terry attacking her as well the chopper down so we got those two characters. I, I feel like there's just like characters in here just to show gore scenes. Yeah. I mean, for sure. All these characters were only in the movie to have like kill scenes. For sure. I mean, they, they were like this whole part of the movie is just him eliminating characters. 
So we get a little bit more of, um, you know, uh, Todd, uh, like I said, he talked to that girl during this time, the little schoolgirl during this time. Um, mm-hmm. He also goes inside his house and he sees his drunk mom. And the drunk mom knows that he is, that the, the drunk mom thinks he's Terry. And she is just like on the floor and stuff. She's like getting really drunk. And it's a really weird scene too with this one because after he like puts her to bed and like kind of calms her down and everything, and she and then he's like, we just the mom just saying we gotta find Todd. He's the crazy man. He can't be alone by himself and everything. Thank you for being my best boy, Terry, and stuff like that. And of course, Todd like he's hearing all this, and of course it's like, you know, hard for him. And then eventually he leaves, and then like not even a couple of scenes later, she's like up and around walking like everything's fine. So. Yep. Yep, and she was she was on the phone too. Still, yeah, yeah. When the scene started, she was still trying to find well, Brad and call Brad on the phone. Yeah, she's trying, super trying to get Try, Brad like the whole movie. So yeah, trying to get the operator to find Brad. Yeah, and she doesn't even go to find him until like like halfway the movie's done. All right, so we're at Andrea's house. This is when we get some eighties horror movie action over here, brother. All right. She, so we got the guys, they're playing some sort of like video game, like some old school, like racing video game while the girls over there, uh, taking like some tequila shots and they kind of bring up like some of the background of what's happening in the movie so far, you know, like Todd's escaped there and stuff. She feels bad for Terry and everything. Um, obviously, you know, Karen has a lot of big feelings for Terry. We got that at the time. And she says like, she feels kind of like bad about his brother being on the loose and like that. And then next thing we know, uh, Artie goes, Hey, you girls doing okay. And and then Andrew's like, well, we were doing okay, but we remember a time where men were horny. Like this all is the, an actual this is an actual line in this movie. Yes, yeah, it's an actual line. <laughs> like like all these girls in this movie were horny. Like every single one of them. Even the fucking mom. It's just like that's like the, that's how they were written. And then like Greg's like, Oh, well I can handle that. And then he just goes and we we see now a relationship with Greg and uh, Andrea now. Like she's just going from hopping to hopping. Like she's a brand new girl, man. She's just trying to play out this uh, apartment complex. So, uh, during this time, too, um, uh, uh, let's see, Terry is now stalking the, the house, the, the, the Andrea's house now. He's kind of like seeing where everybody's at during this time. And we get, um, more, we get uh, Greg and, and kind of like messing around a little bit in the bedroom and everything. And they eventually go to go play some tennis because <laughs> apparently, um, Andrea's big goals in life are to have a lot of sex and party and play tennis. And play tennis. Yes. She. <laughs> at least we have a sport in there. You know what I mean? Like, at least we got, you know, some, some activity going on. So they're playing tennis. This is a great scene, too. Uh, they're playing tennis, going back and forth, and Andrea eventually hits the ball out of the tennis thing, and... Uh, we get like a little bit scary scene where we think, because Terry's watching him during the whole time, and we think uh, Terry's going to chop down our boy Greg, but he doesn't. It was just a little uh, fake scare. And then they're like, oh, well, so after we play this tennis, why don't we just go for a swim? All right. So then we transition to the pool area, and they're getting it on on the diving board. A lot different than the diving board that we saw on um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, uh, four 
was it? Oh, yeah. Very different. <laughs> a little different. Our boy Gray is getting it on with Andrea. Next thing we know, Terry just shows up fine. And I like, I like, I like um, the Terry in this movie where he just showed up and he's like very like just casual. Like, hell, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, hi. And he just walks up. He fucking slices Greg. Greg goes into the pool. And then next thing you know, he like on this one, you only see him like, like slash. And it looks like it just got Andre's cheek. And then they just like cut it. So, and then we see like Greg in the pool, like all bloodied and stuff like that. So, John, what do you think about uh, killer scenes in the pool? I love pool scenes. Yeah, we get a lot of those, like since especially since in horror movies. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that in this time, in this era, that the reason they had a lot of pool scenes was because you could show girls in bikinis. I, I, I'm sure of it. But I, I do like um, pool scenes in horror films. I think there should be. We should bring that back. Yeah, should bring that back. Yeah. So during this time, too, now we get Artie and we get Karen. We actually see now that Artie actually has, you know, some feelings for Karen. But Karen, during this whole time, her acting was something else too. Like she was just very casual throughout this whole movie as well. Um, we see a little bit more interaction with them and they eventually go walking through the, the little nature walk area, trying to go look for uh, Greg and all of them and Terry. And um, uh, Andrew was asking Artie during this time, like, Hey, um, you know, like, can you help me out with this guy? Can you help me out with the, uh, with uh like uh terry like he's been acting really weird and everything and uh you know this is ever since like his brother escaped and everything he's just been acting a little weird and stuff and he's like well you know okay i could do that but like you can see like he's kind of hit on her a little bit and eventually terry scares them they get into a little um little argument a little bit and then eventually terry brings karen back to his house why while um uh already goes look for for greg and um andrea during this time all right so after terry said thanks for looking out for my girl andre says the freaking simmons yes so terry said let's go back to the house so we can go find um so we can go back with karen they go back to the house so we get uh so todd he shows up uh behind Artie in the car and uh todd has a gun at this time as well too and he's all like hey i'm not the one killing people it's Terry. You got to believe me and stuff. And of course, uh, Artie's just like, oh shit, you know, so he has to want to do what he, you know, so he's like, I could prove it to you. Okay. So, I'm, so um, during this time, we have um, Karen and we have Terry. They're in the room. And Karen's just trying to be a little bit more um, romantic with Terry during this time, but Terry's kind of like pushing her off a little bit. And eventually they hear like a knock at the door and they see Artie and it's Todd. And Todd there. So now we have one of the first face-to-face meetings of Todd and Terry at this time. And Todd has a gun. He's about to shoot him, but he couldn't. And then, that, then he runs away during this time. So we're seeing a little bit more interaction of how Todd is just like... It's just basically showing that he can't kill anybody. So what they're saying about him is wrong during this time. So he's framed. He's not the killer in the family. So this is when we get uh, Terry and Artie to go look for, for Todd. And this is when Artie finds the bag of just a bunch of random weapons hanging out. <laughs> and he, he gives Terry like a fork and he looks like he looks like this fucking machete. And then um, after they, do, they they talk a little bit and then eventually uh, Terry just stabs Artie with the fucking fork and then baits him down. And then of course we get the line, 
it's not cranberry sauce. Again, again, we get again, the line. Again, we get that famous line, brother. That isn't cranberry sauce, Artie. That is not cranberry sauce. That's not cranberry sauce. Not cranberry sauce. So now we got um, Karen. She's now looking for Artie and Terry during this time. So during this time too. So once Karen finds Terry and stuff, um, she, uh, she she's like, hey, you know, like we we should do something about it over here. People are like dying and stuff. We should go call the police and everything. And and um, Terry's like at first is kind of like blowing her off a little bit, but then he's like, oh yes, yes, that's what we'll do. We'll go call the police. So he walks, and then he just turns around and he has like the machete in hand. And he's just like, I love you. And then they just start chasing each other. Well, she's chasing. He's chasing her. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's chasing her during this time. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Just the way that they did that like little like transition was kind of weird. I thought that part was like a little freaky because you could tell that Karen just wasn't like expecting that at all well right i mean you know why would you right yeah i mean yeah so like of all things in this movie you think that part is weird well like, I, didn't, I didn't no no i didn't say it was weird thing. i said it was cool like i liked that part like it was like oh, right, the, yeah, mo- yeah. one of the most realistic parts of the movie <laughs> right and then she's like i love you and then just starts chasing around with the machete yeah so when he's chasing her and stuff this is when um she goes she's kind of like near andrea's house and stuff she's trying to get in everywhere and then she goes into the closet all right, then we could tell that there's some like bodies behind her within the closet as well too. And if we see Terry coming to come up doing like this creepy motion, he's about to come in the closet, but then he leaves. Uh, Karen gets out of the closet and then some of the bodies fall on her and stuff. And then she sees um, uh, Artie right there. And now like um, Terry is like playing around with Artie, kind of like taunting her with his body and everything. Uh, so she goes and runs away. Mm-hmm. So even so, it also turned during this time she's running everything and she's banging on all kind of doors and she's banging on the same door that Todd talked to that little kid saying, "Hey, let me in, let me in anything." And the kid's like, "I can't le- let you in because this stranger told me not to let any more strangers in." <laughs> <laughs> yep, I thought that part was ridiculous. And then she goes in and she goes into uh, Julie's house now, and she's walking around. She hears a baby crying during this whole time. And then she eventually sees care uh, when she's going to stuff. She sees the baby and everything. And then she goes into the room and then she sees a dead Julie. And of course, Todd magically is there. He's in the room with grabbing his machete out uh, from, from Julie. And now he's chasing her around Julie's house with the machete. And of course, she's running into all the bodies while she's trying to escape. And then while she's trying to escape too, she kind of runs into a um, she, she's running out the door trying to leave, but then she runs right into Todd and Todd scares her. So she runs into a different room and she's trying to call, uh, the police during this time. Yes. So we're finally calling the police. Yeah. She's trying to call him at least. But then right. before she could do that, we see Terry walk up with his, like kind of like a very slow motion with his blade during that time. And he has caught her in the action. So also during this time too, we saw that the mom has found a bloody shirt, so she knows shit is going on. And like I thought, right when she found the bloody shirt, like she was like, "Oh shit, this is actually Terry doing it the whole time," but apparently that wasn't the case. So the mom goes and runs and goes and finds um, Brad, and she finds Brad dead, 
And, of course, she is just mm-hmm. overacting this whole fucking movie, okay? And when she finds Brad, this is actually, I think this is when she actually gives, um, she, she takes the, the gun from, from Brad. And now she's going to go find, to go kill Todd because she is thinking Todd is still doing all these murders at this time. And we get uh, more of like a chasing scene between Terry and Karen. Eventually Karen gets into the pool area. Um, so she thinks she's kind of safe. She has a baby with her and everything too. And she's in the pool area, thinks she's kind of safe. But this is when we see Terry walk up very slowly around the pool area. He just And then he goes onto the diving board, just very casual. And just starts dumping on the diving board saying, hey, what's up? <laughs> and then we get um, Karen just running through everywhere with the baby. This is when she finds like the uh, Greg and um, Greg and Andre in the freaking sauna. And we had mm-hmm. to show that we had to show that scene twice, which I like too, because we see her open the door of the sauna, and then we come back, we see Terry open the door of the sauna, and he's like, "Oh, uh, well, excuse me, I didn't want to intrude." Wow. Yes. Yes. So then, there in this time, you know, we get a little bit more action um, with uh, Terry uh, creeping around the pool area, and then eventually Todd comes in, and they're all around like the pool. And eventually, Todd and Terry start fighting each other. They both eventually fall up in the pool. Uh, we have this, like, I guess, fighting in the pool area. And then eventually, uh, Karen helps Todd get out of the pool. And Terry gets out on the other side, grabbing his machete. Maddie has walked in during this whole uh, fight. And she has a gun. And then right when Terry turns around with his machete, she shoots Terry. Uh, she shot him a couple yeah. of times, too. She wasn't playing around. She shot him, like, in the freaking arm, the head, and everything. She was going to town on him. And during this, too, afterwards, she uh, Todd goes up to her and stuff. They start hugging. And she's like, oh, yes, it's, you know, finally over. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Terry. We finally got Todd. We finally got Todd and everything. And then, of course, Todd looks at her and is like, I'm Todd. And <laughs> then we get just, like, <laughs> we get... I am Todd. I am Todd. I am Todd. I am Todd. And just, and then eventually she kept saying, I'm Todd the whole time. She shoots her brains out. And then, and then that fucking Karen's like, fuck this family. These fucking psychos. I'm getting out of here with this baby. She just jets out of there. And we hear these police sirens. Then we see Todd look over. And then we cut a cinematic Thanksgiving classic if there ever was one. Blood rage. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. So, so this whole movie. So Maddie spends the entire, almost the entire movie, on the phone trying to call Brad. <laughs> yes. Um, besides go, I besides to go find him, she she calls the him. Very very end for the climax of the movie. Yes. She spends almost the entire movie trying to call Brad on the phone and trying to get the operator to find him. Which I don't know. Maybe that's something you could do in 1984. I don't know. Um, I don't know. She, <laughs> she called the operator and, and, twice. <laughs> yeah, she called the operator twice, and then huh. she she. Uh, then she gets the gun, yeah. but then she shoots the right person, right? Yeah. She saves. She saves them. She shoots the murderer. Yes. But she she never found out that they that the murderers were switched. Yes. So yes. So we were kind of we so we were kind of led to believe that okay maybe she figured out that Todd wasn't the actual guy killing everybody. It was Terry because how would Todd just drop off his bloody shirt in the house? But apparently, yeah. to this drunken, um, crazy mom's mind, 
that it was just Todd doing the whole thing. And then she, since she saw the guy who with the machete, she just automatically assumed that was Todd because they both look alike. And that's why she shot him. But she, and didn't, she didn't even wait to figure it out. No, she was just like, once she heard like the Todd, she, she shot the wrong person. She was like, well, I can't live anymore. Like this is, you know what I mean? I got to live with uh, only Terry. All right. And right. she, she kind of hinted that around the movie too, where like she was like one of those like obsessed moms with Terry as well too. Um, but yeah, we're just <laughs> her character was just like freaking I mean, the acting of this lady is just like over the top, like just dramatic all the time. Is like, especially when she's like the phone, the phone call stuff with her, which is like you can see her getting like crazier and crazier every time they cut that scene. I just thought that was so like it it was just like so cheesy, but it's so enjoyable to me at the same time of how like like just like random it is and then of course with all like the one-liners in this movie and shit and just like terry just being like some so casual dude i'm just gonna casually just chop off your arms and shit you know and i just like i just thought this movie had like almost like everything that you want like a cheesy 80s movie so i do want to say before we before before i say this next thing about what i was my what i was thinking about this movie so remember last episode so what we had decided to do was we were going to watch a movie that you had never seen. Yes. Uh, but I had. And then we were going to watch a movie that you had never, or that I had never seen, but you had. Yes. So when I picked a movie, I picked Prince of Darkness. <laughs> that Prince of Darkness is a good movie made by a real film director with a, with a, with a real story. And it was really good. And you could show that to anyone, even though it is about space Jesus. You could show that to anyone, and then they could be like, "Okay, well, you know, I see it. It's 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 definitely a work of art." You made me watch this. Thanksgiving, um, brother. <laughs> Thanksgiving so, horror movie, brother. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I mean, it is enjoyable for all the reasons that you say it is, but it's just, it's just batshit insane. Yes, and. That's what the 80s were all about, John. Well, that's true. But <laughs> so so my question to you though is do you think that it's possible that this movie is actually a parody of horror movies? And not and and they it was never intended to be taken seriously. So, I could see that. You know, because obviously you have a lot of like the horror movie tropes in this movie. You have the Tony teens, you have a a slasher just killing people for gore effects. You got like dumb older people. Um, you know, it fits all the trophies of like uh, what a horror movie would be. And like it is like very like corny in certain parts like that. Like especially like the actual like storyline when it comes to that. But I, I'm not really sure because I mean the movie went to so many like name changes. It just like it's just well, kind of weird. Yeah, I mean I think that was just them trying to sell it. And yeah. like the, the like the slasher title. Like, it was just so generic. Yeah. Like, I mean, it might as well have been called Horror Movie. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Um, but the reason I asked this question is because, so, doing a little bit of research about this, so, um, the lady that played Maddie was this, um, she was an actress named Louise Lasser. Mm -hmm. So, Louise Lasser was famous, or became famous, her most known role was from t about 10 years before this, she was in a TV show called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. So Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, in which she played Mary Hartman, was like, 
it, not a parody, but it was like a satirical version of a soap opera. Mm. So if you like, I watched the first episode of it today. And so basically like it would take like, like common, like problems, not problems, but like vices and um, shortcomings of people and ridicule them in a funny way, but take it completely seriously. Satire is a really hard thing to explain. It's a really, really hard um, art to write in. It's really hard to write satire. Like the Simpsons is satire. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people are sarcastic and they think sarcasm is satire, but satire is it's not like that. So I'm wondering if this could be like a satire of horror movies, which is why it's so crazy. And that's why she acted the way she did, because if you watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, she kind of acts the same way. Yeah, I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense, but no. like, but I, but I yeah. see how in it, and it, I just think it's odd that they would pick her to be in this. And I think one of the producers was saying that they picked her. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, I think I think the reason they picked her for this was because she was in that show. But I could be wrong about that. But um, but I'm wondering if maybe this was intended to maybe it's it's more intelligent than i think it is is what i'm saying i got you because otherwise it seems like marianne Cantor, who played the doctor and was the producer on the movie basically was just like okay friday the 13th made a lot of money let's make something just like that yeah i mean this this one could definitely be like hey you know we got you know friday the 13th out there we got halloween out there we got um couple other like slasher type of movies why don't we just make one to get on that wave you know what i mean maybe yep. we can and then let's let's throw in like a thanksgiving kind of theme to it because it's different you know that gives it a little bit more of a uh a different vibe even though it wasn't released around thanksgiving but we kind of give it like a little different like time period so i could see that i could see where it could be like a like you know a parody of something like a horror movie and you know where it has that that kind of like reputation for for doing that um but yeah, it just I could see where it can hit like a couple of different boxes with this movie when it comes like just like the corniness or or just like, hey, you know, we're just trying to make a movie to, you know, get on, you know, the just to do another slasher movie. So maybe like a lot of kids, you know, get this production company up and running and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely one of my favorites just because of this. The just like the backstory of it's pretty interesting. The the storyline and the actors and stuff are just like <laughs> the, the actual storyline with it, the gore and everything and like that. It's just, it's just a very fun, like, I don't, I don't have to think about this, but you just watch it and you're just watching it mostly for the comedy, you know, then you are watching it for like being scared and stuff. Like this is definitely one of those ones where I don't really feel scared during the whole movie. I mean, there's a couple like maybe uneasy parts if you look at it, but it's mostly about the comedy. It's mostly about like that eighties, like, like comedy, why comedy horror in a way. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be like, it can't, I just don't think it can be this unintentionally funny. Like, this has to be planned. I, who knows, man? You know what I mean? Because, like, they did have some, like, filming, you know, problems with it and stuff, but, like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just one of those things where you, it's kind of like Evil Dead, where you try to be, like, super serious, but it just ends up being funny. You know what I mean? It just happens like that sometimes. Yeah, true, true. So. But everybody, I want to thank everybody for joining us on this very special Thanksgiving 
episode of the Retro Blood. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing a little bit more themed horror movies, which are always my favorite. We definitely have a lot of jam-packed theme horror movies for December. We'll be letting you guys know um, on our next show. We're, me and Allison will be back, and we will be doing another cinema classic, Black Roses. Yep. <laughs> And I was black. I haven't seen Black Roses. Is this is this as crazy as this movie or? Nothing is as crazy as this movie, but yeah. it's um, uh, you know, you'll just have to see it. But Black Roses, it's pretty good. I mean, for what it is, it's pretty good. I think it was made for video. You know, it was an early made for video movie. Um, nice. Yeah, with a heavy metal theme, so it kind of fits into what we're uh, what what else we talk about. We need to find a pro wrestling horror movie too uh, during point. the 80s i'm pretty sure there is one i mean there obviously has, there's there some, there, there's some other ones that are not in the 80s but i we, i'm pretty sure we could find one that has like a little bit of like a wrestling theme tied to it we could probably find something out there uh but if you guys have any ideas you know let us know on the facebook page that'd be awesome as well too but um we're about to be heading out of here hope you guys had a great thanksgiving hope you didn't drink eat too much turkey and uh, drink too much beer but uh we'll be leaving you guys with some badass anthrax among the living song among the living so if you're like our boy terry you get triggered by cranberry sauce be careful but at least if you kill people you'll be rocking it out to anthrax happy thanksgiving everybody see you next sunday see ya Your